Hello, and welcome to a very special, unnumbered episode of RangerPod. We're talking about the Power Rangers movie. I'm PDT, and I'm definitely not an expert in this incarnation of Power Rangers. But luckily, I've brought along with me someone who's literally only just come back from the screening, Grax. Yeah, at the time of this recording, I have just come back from the cinema watching the two-hour Power Rangers movie. And uh, I'd like to think it's fresh in my mind, but maybe I wasn't paying that much attention. We'll find out, won't we? <laughs> we will indeed. I mean, it's yeah, it's 20 to midnight on Sunday as we're recording this. I've basically been waiting for Grax to come back, having seen it. Absolutely, because you, you saw it um, early last week. You saw a few few days before it was officially released in the uk didn't you well i saw it on tuesday so i mean if you're looking for kind of a fair balanced critique sort of with no spoilers go to denofgeek.com and Mm -hmm. my review is up there but this is going to be more picking apart individual bits safe to say there'll be spoilers you know we're going to spoil the heck out of this film oh absolutely especially starting right now with the synopsis from beginning to end yeah i mean obviously yeah i know you like to do synopses but i'll be honest grax Mm -hmm. if we were to do a synopsis at the usual rate that you do them we we would still be recording this when the sequel comes out we're going to do something a little bit different i am going to give you two minutes what two minutes two minutes to summarize the entire film starting when i say go so three two one Activate. We start the movie 65 million years ago when planet Earth is starting to crumble with all the dinosaurs. And oh, look at this. We have the Power Rangers. We have the Red Ranger and the Yellow Ranger, who turns out to be aliens. And Walter White. Walter White's this movie. 15 seconds, and we're not even out of the pre credits. Carry on. Okay, okay. So, okay, there's the Green Ranger, who turns out to be a bad guy. And then Red Ranger's like, oh, no, fuck, forget it. Bad luck. We're just going to nuke the planet with an asteroid. Bang, boom. We're now in the present. And it looks like uh, Jason and some random kids to bring in a ball into the pool uh into the park and then suddenly it turns into the breakfast club that's right the movie changes into the breakfast club which is a movie from the 1980s and then a whole bunch of stuff happens and uh this is an opportunity for jason to beat up with billy who's now a black guy a black guy with autism who is super super smart and for some and so there's a point where jason gets some help from billy to get rid of his ankle cuff because bill uh jason is a bad guy in this case and so they decide to go to the mountains because billy left has- because Jason has uh, Billy has an obsession with the uh, uh, mountains for some reason, and so they go there, and then a whole bunch of stuff happens. They meet up with three other people for some ra- random reason, and then what happens next? Uh, 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 um, oh yeah, that's it. They manage to find some particular part of the mountain where there's these five different colored little rocks appear and so they try and break it down and they get them and then there's a blackout and then they realize they all gone all toby Maguire on no toby Maguire is that the guy anyway spider-man where they got super muscles super mu- uh superpowers and then uh uh, uh oh god i haven't even got to the point where Rita appears in the um <laughs> uh, in the in, in in the fishing dock for some reason where she's all shriveled up into like a husk but then suddenly she comes alive so the, the power rangers they realize oh what's going on we've got superpowers let's go Indeed. back to the mountains to figure out what's going on oh Oh, we can jump around, go inside the mountains, Ten, and there you go. Nine, we actually speed up with the spaceship, eight, and there seven, is Alpha, six, who's actually quite competent five, at this point four, in time. Three, two, Woo! one. That's the movie. Yeah, that's pretty much the movie. Uh, <laughs> Twenty minutes in. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> 
<sighs> I mean, the good thing is that you did manage 20 minutes of material in that two minutes. So it, it would appear to be impossible that I can cram in 20 minutes. Yeah. And as for the rest of the film, okay, they get superpowers, they walk away, they come back, they have to train to beat Rita Repulsa, yep. it takes them ages to train, they morph, they beat the putties. Which turn out to be rock creatures in this point, not uh, putties. Yep, they beat the bad guy at the end. I mean, With I a could... German suplex! You have to say that part. The, the killing blow was a German <laughs> suplex. I could have done it in 10 seconds, Grax. I, you know. Yeah, but the thing about that is that it's this, you don't have any of the detail. You don't have the flavor flavor. You don't get to t- tell the entire story about the part where Rita is actually convincing the other rangers to try and tr- to betray the other rangers. But then she goes, nah, you know, I'm going to tell my friends what's going on because reasons. You know, they I don't mean, get that. that. That's as unimportant as the scene where Billy dies, you know. Oh, yeah, of course, where Billy was like, oh, I'll tell you where everything is, and I'll tell you where the, the crystal is, which is the, the the object that Rita has tried to get at. It's at this particular point, and then Rita kills Billy. What is the particular point where it's at? I didn't quite catch that in the film. Oh, you didn't quite catch that, did you? No. Was, I think it was called a, a, a very well-known donut-making company called Krispy Kreme. Oh, Krispy Kreme, that's yes. it. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten. Krispy Kreme. Did you forget it was Krispy Kreme? Because they yeah, tell you yeah. five more times. Krispy Kreme is—is is that a special place? I mean, that was an actual line from the film. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a special place for Krispy Kreme. Not only do they do delicious, <laughs> delicious donuts, but this is where the big crystal, where Rita Repulsa is trying to get to destroy the planet Earth. She's trying to get this crystal to destroy the Earth, which is at Krispy Kreme's donut store. But she does actually stop to eat Krispy Kreme first. Because Krispy Kreme donut, I, I swear, have paid a substantial amount of money into this movie. And, Correct. And part of the clause was, we've got to get Rita Repulsa to eat one of these donuts. I don't know if that was part of the clause, but it was definitely... Yes, it was. I, I'm pretty sure we could take a look <laughs> in, in the fine print. And, you know, what? even while they're training, the training montage, you get a scene where Kimberly and Trini are fighting over a Krispy Kreme. Wow. I didn't realize it was it was so ingrained. Yeah, it's throughout the film. It's wonderful, and of course, as you say, Krispy Kreme is where the MacGuffin of the film, the Zeo crystal, is hidden underneath the Krispy Kreme, and that's what Rita's trying to get because it's the source of all life on Earth, and so she's trying to rebuild Goldar, who's a big gold creature in this. Um, yeah, I was I was a bit taken back by that because it was kind of like. Rita Repulsa's gimmick in this is that she used to be the Green Ranger, but now she's a bad dude who's yep. all about gold. And I love gold! She does love gold. I mean, we've, we've already kind of started dissecting this, but let's start with Rita Repulsa. When the film started, I thought she was genuinely chilling. Mm. Especially the scenes where she's not up to full power yet, where she's kind of bedraggled and feral. Yeah. And even before then, when she's completely and utterly mummified and nothing but skin and bones, and then she yeah. comes alive. And I don't quite understand how she gets more flesh and gets more full. Does she just eat people, or was it purely, I'm eating gold? Well, I think she does eat that policeman, doesn't she, the one who come, who finds her? Very much like a vampire of some sort, or, or, or a, a ghoul. I guess so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually thought during the early scenes with her that she was too frightening for kids that probably explains why this whole movie was a 12a rating in the uk where it, yeah. you, you have to be 12 years old or to be with an adult or adult vision 
Well, I don't think it was the only reason, but we'll get to that. Um, I think Elizabeth Banks, as the film goes on, she has a lot of fun with it. Yeah, she, she is in a very villainous role where traditionally it's over-the-top uh, cackling yeah. villains, and, and she lives it. She loves it. But I she feel doesn't... like it was a bit plain. I don't know. There was something not very grabbing about Rita Repulsa. I, I felt like I was more interested. I'd like her to grab me. Oh, yeah. What, even with all that gold bits oh, sticking yeah. out of her? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's a fetish. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I think as the film as the film progressed, she kind of morphed, if you'll pardon the term, into the Rita Repulsa that we knew. You know, she didn't have a headache, but she was by the end she was shouting and ranting, and you know she even got in a make my monster grow, which I loved. I was like, yeah, yeah. There were lots of little fan service lines here, there, and scattered all over the movie. There were and... some. There weren't as many as i was expecting yeah but but when they do appear they they stick out like a sore thumb for me oh absolutely yeah i feel like rita needed a posse yes yes i think you've hit the nail on the head i felt like there was something missing i missed the minions yeah i kind of feel like it was a travesty calling this golden creature goldar this super generic gold uh, molten creature with wings with no face it had a sort of similar shape to Goldar, but there was no personality. There was no... Well, I mean, there, were, there was just no personality at all. It was... Even then, you know, it was still missing Finster and Squatton, but I, I know they would have been hard to put in the film. Yeah. But would they really have been that... I mean, actually, technically, they were in the film. No, they were in the movie. Where? I don't know if you spotted this, but in the in the background in Billy's lab... Yeah. There were big toy models of Finster, Squat, and Baboo. No, I didn't spot those. There was never a clear camera shot of them. So yeah, I missed Rita's minions. Uh, on on the other side of it, of course, Brian Cranston as Zordon. I I just kept thinking Walter White all the way through. I feel like certainly when he was getting disappointed in the Rangers, there were hints <laughs> of Walter White there. Yeah, I tell you what, I actually genuinely like that twist of the movie. Where, where and at first uh, he's all saying, Zordon's like, yeah, you need to have the Rangers. What, mm. you got teenagers? Alpha, you got teenagers. Oh, okay, fine. Right, okay, so um, you guys, you're Power Rangers, you're going through all these rules, blah, blah, blah. You need to morph. But I like the fact that he's doing it for selfish reasons. The whole teenager thing I was happy about because it's always been one of those common, like, oh, why did Zordon get teenagers? I mean, we did it in our first episode, didn't we? Absolutely. Um, I wasn't so sure about Zordon's selfish motivation. I I felt like it was an unnecessary twist in the plot. No, I, I disagree. I think it added a, a, a nice bit of freshness to the whole story because... The reason why he wants the Rangers to go back is he wants the Rangers to morph into their power suits so that somehow he can absorb their energies to come back to life. Because in the storyline, he dies, but his uh, his uh, essence is transferred to the Matrix. Is that right? Uh, the Morphing Grid. The Morphing Grid, thank you. Uh, and so he wants to try and get back because he wants to stop Rita at all costs. The whole goal is for him to stop Rita and not these yeah. rangers but by by um the rangers morphing to the power rangers they will die so that he'll live which is quite selfish yeah i mean was that his goal all along or was that his goal after he realized that these teens aren't very good oh now that's interesting 
I, I just was kind of assumed it was his goal all along. But may, maybe he was quite content with the idea of if he had gotten grown-ups or competent people, that he would have been okay with them just to go forth. But ultimately, it turns out that as the story progresses, he can see that, that actually the Rangers can actually do their job, especially when Jason calls them out and says, hey, wait a minute. You want us? You, wait a second. You want us to morph it to, into the Rangers so we can die on your behalf? That's not cool. No, Jason does call him on that. Let's talk about Alpha. They did a great job of Alpha. No, I like they didn't. him. No, well, no, hang on. No, no. I think they did a great job because he is a more likable character. He's not annoying, and he really. I liked Alpha in this version. Alpha Five is many things. He's kind of annoying, but he's not meant to be a sarky git. I would say he has more of a, a, a normal, slightly satirical lingo, which I don't understand how he manages to pick that up, being trapped under the earth for 65 million years. Maybe he had the internet and he was able to download those personalities. Well, I think he's, he's had a lot of time to watch television, hasn't he? Clearly he has. He's probably watched the original Power Rangers and he thought, oh, oh, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that alpha. I think that this alpha is better. He doesn't have an annoying voice. He doesn't shriel. He actually tries to be funny, and I thought the writers uh, did a good enough job for him. I did like the scene where he took down a putty in the simulation, but that was about it, really. I didn't like the design, but I liked that they didn't stray too far from the original design. Yeah, I wasn't offended by this, uh, the design of Alpha, and I wasn't too offended by the design of all the Zords, really. I mean, they they had elements of tra- uh, Michael Bay Transformers, but it was not over the top. But I miss the chunkiness. I miss the chunkiness of the old uh, Alpha and the old Zords. So I, yeah. what do you think about that? I really like the design of the individual Zords. They're colourful. They work. Yeah, um, except they keep throwing legs at them. I mean, Mastodon's <laughs> got six legs. I'm sure the Triceratops had like six legs or something Possibly. like that. Why, why do they throw more legs? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I guess it's more practical than having them on wheel tracks. Oh, yeah, I suppose. The Megazord for me was a disappointment. Yeah, I, I can't went... fully understand what they were going for. Well, it went a bit too grey Bayformers for my liking. Because, for one thing, it's it's clearly not made up of the individual Zords. No. You know, the whole thing is the Zords get kind of melted together. Yeah, but which is the ending where Goldar, what happens is Goldar pushes all the individual Zords into a pit of fire and they all get burnt up. But then somehow they just kind of merge together and kind of melt together into one giant yeah. uh, generic samurai-esque Megazord thingy where each of the individual ranges are in their own individual pods rather than all being in one command center. And mm. I, I didn't like that design. I, like, I, like I said before, I miss the old chunky yep. design where you can actually see where everything's made from. In this case, I did. Um, you know, I would have liked the colors to remain because it all became very gray. It was just the Megazord didn't do it for me. No, not at all. I did kind of appreciate the funny comedy moments where they're just about to go to Goldar's. Like, right, let's take him on. <laughs> and they all collapse. Because, yeah. funnily enough, having five individuals try to control a robot, maybe not the best design for a mech ever, you know? Maybe. No, it, it did annoy me that they weren't all in the cockpit, though. I don't mind that. That's just an update. But I think it does bring up a very interesting point. How did they control it in the original TV show? Well, I think there's some element of mental connection is there, isn't there? 
if you remember back back in the pilot, there's that line where Billy says, "I see, I suddenly seem to be able to control this thing. It's second nature to me." Oh yeah, that 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 info dump that they decided to yeah. record. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a very heavy theme of um of, of sharing emotions and sharing each other's lives, and we work as one. One thing that slightly bugged me: there was no proper morphine scene. You know, I know Jason says it's morphine time before getting on the footpads. Yeah. But there are toys of the Power Morphers. I don't think we actually saw any Power Morphers in the film. Mmm, yes. That is a very interesting problem in terms of movie making. I mean, the movie is trying to be more realistic, more gritty. How do you convert the TV version of it's morphine time where they all stick out their power coins and scream out their animals and then animation? I guess they wanted to try and do something a bit more realistic but it did. Yeah, it, it, I think, it just felt a bit not spectacular. I think there was a compromise to be had because I, I don't think it would make sense in this movie for them to be calling out the dinosaurs because their powers aren't linked to the dinosaurs. They're linked to each other. Love, spirit. I'll, I'd die for you. Yeah, I'd die for you too. <laughs> Grax, I would not die for you. Off. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it's explained in the story, you know, the Zords look like that because they took that form. So the powers don't come from the dinosaurs or anything. I still feel like they could have had a, you know, to morph, they could have had to, you know, hold out their morphers and concentrate on being the Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, maybe their suits could have sort of spread out from the morphers or something. Maybe. There had to be a way of doing that. It just, it didn't feel quite satisfying to me. I, I wonder if they'll do something different if they make a sequel to this movie i mean it depends on whether it's this is a success or not but if they did i wonder if they'll try and do something to speed up the, the morphing process and to make it more swift you know well i will say that there's all there's a graphic novel coming out probably the day that this is released called power rangers aftershock and the preview pages for that already show that they're kind of able to just morph at will ah okay sounds cool i hope people are following this because we're going everywhere with it we really <laughs> um, are but okay let's let's talk about the rangers themselves then excellent job i think that all the individual rangers have been updated rejiggered grittified electrified and much more pleasant i don't entirely agree i will say i love the cast unreservedly 100 percent. they have picked a fantastic cast my initial reaction to the film was very much it's a three-star script with a five-star cast Mm. The script has got a lot of problems, some of which we've still got to touch on. But the cast, the cast make it for me. I want to see a sequel just to spend more time with this cast of characters. Yeah, they picked some great people. I mean, Jason's character, I don't know the actor's name. Dacre Montgomery. Thank you. He's clearly a Zac Efron, a poor man's Zac Efron, because they couldn't quite afford Zac Efron. Mm. Uh, the Kimberly character is a Kimberly lookalike. Kind of, yeah. The thing I like, I really liked is they completely trashed the Billy persona, who was a specky... Uh, I don't think they did trash it though. No, that's the thing. The, the, what they did is they completely forgo. They they binned Billy's original lexicon where he's talking absolute gobbledygook for the sake of talking gobbledygook, and they replaced it with a guy who talks normally but has a bit of an autistic twang to it, yeah. so he doesn't quite get it. But he's still relatable and he's still enjoyable to watch. I think it was the same thing that the original series were going for but just in a more blatant and 
sort of better handled way yes yes they were always trying to go for that kind of disconnect between billy and everyone else well with the original power ranger series yeah but they were never able to sort of qualify it as autism and it was never clearly never researched in no. any way i find it very interesting how they changed the 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 um in the, in the movie the black ranger is now an asian guy but I, I thought that was very interesting how they mixed things up. And, and uh, uh, Zack is the crazy guy now. In the TV show, I would say that Zack was the cool hipster guy who was, a, who, who was all about the hip-hop and being the cool mm. kid. Whilst in the movie, he's just a loose cannon. Yeah. Almost for the sake of being a loose cannon, because he's trying to hide the fact that his mum has an undetermined medical problem. Well, the thing is, I found them both... Um, both Zack and Trini very difficult to like originally as the movie went on they kind of got likeable oh um, yeah that's because they completely changed their characters they first became obnoxious in the sense of the crazy uh, Black Ranger mm. and the even distant Yellow Ranger who's trying to be all feral who I think was trying to emulate that goth girl in the the movie the breakfast club yeah but then as the movie progressed they became more likable more relatable because they dropped all those traits and became <laughs> normal people it's like hmm, we need them to be relatable let's forget all these quirks well it's because they had that very clunky scene around the campfire it wasn't that clunky i thought it was fine the actors sold it but the actual idea of them all just sitting around a fire like expressing their flaws or you know the things that haunt them yeah there surely had to be better ways of doing that i suppose so the problem is there wasn't much time the story had to keep going you there had were two to... hours cracks no that, that's there were two still... hours. there was not enough time they had to rush things because they had to get to the morphing time which is at one hour and 20 minutes in this point no it's not but... it's one hour and 35 i think it was there was as much morphed action in this as in some episodes of the TV series. Which I thought was very interesting. I, I thought it was interesting how they kept the ratio of about two-thirds humans, one-third morphing time, which is... It was an interesting thing I noticed, that mm. they kept the percentages the same as the TV show. Well, see, I, I'm surprised that you enjoyed it, actually, because... I'm surprised, too. Well, the whole thing about these podcasts so far has been that you... You know, you you're in it for the fight scenes. You're not in it for the human stuff. What changed for you in this? I think for me, I, I really enjoyed the human characters. For one, they actually spent some time developing all these characters because they had an hour and a half yeah. to work with, and this gave them enough time to breathe and expand on themselves. Two, they updated all these characters. Like I said, that they, they are more relatable to the mm. now and they made them seem more uh believable more quote grown up more gritty and supercharged them and made them more interesting and they fixed the problems for me they fixed the problems they had i had with the tv show and yet the fighting because it was kind of a bit generic and it was not much of it it was a role reversal for me i don't know if i'd say the fighting was that generic i quite enjoyed it i thought yeah, I could have watched them just smash through putties for a long time. They kind of needed to, really. But I felt like they, they it goes back. We want minions. I miss the variety. I, I miss the variety of the yeah. different monsters, which you can't do in the first movie, I understand. And they clearly set up 
the, the movie to have sequels where essentially Rita Repulsa jumps at the Megazord and the Megazord <laughs> bitch slaps her into the into yeah, space. Yeah, that, that was funny. Much like Team Rocket gets that. blasted um, off. I'll let that slide, but then she freezes in space. Well, she freezes in... You see her kind of floating towards the moon and you have to kind of wonder if that's going to set up her moon palace. Actually, it almost certainly is going to set up her moon palace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you've got to try and figure out how they're going to work in the minions. Can we talk about Trini for a moment? Because obviously she's the one that there's been a lot of press about before the film even opened. And why is that? Um, Because she's allegedly an LGBT character. I mean, what I will say is it's the most non-committal outing of a character ever, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. I, let's see if I remember the line. It was some, it, I think the line went, I've got some personal problems. And Zach goes, is it boy problems? Trudy goes, yeah, boy problems. And then Zach goes, oh, girl problems? And, and then he gets ignored. gives him a look. Yeah. He gives him a look and then carries on with something else. So she doesn't specifically say, yeah, I'm a lesbian. She doesn't outright say that. It's just no. heavily implied. I mean, you know, it's not like I'm expecting her to start fingering Kimberly or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I just feel that anyone from that community going to watch the film to see themselves represented is going to come away really disappointed. I agree with that. She doesn't represent them strongly and clearly enough. No. You know, it's been great publicity for the film. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're milking this. Yeah, and if that's the filmmaker's genuine intention, then fantastic. Just make it clear next time. I mean, if there's a sequel, then I think it's definitely going to be made clear, you know, that she is this LGBT character, that that representation is there. Yeah, they might do something as simple as uh, uh, Trini holding in the hand of another girl. That's probably yeah. all that yeah. needs to be done. And that would be great. And it would be great if they just represented it in a, in a positive way and it got positive press yeah. rather than getting negative press because come on it's 2017 can we not just get over gayness and homosexuality it's not a problem anymore it's it's not a thing was it ever a problem it was back in the 90s <laughs> but but <laughs> <laughs> i just want to talk about a few of the easter eggs in the film because there were some easter eggs and there's a good chance people have missed them i you probably know, missed them I was very much looking out for them. First of all, did you spot the nod to the Super Sentai? I think I did. I I, I noticed a glimpse of something Super Sentai, but I didn't quite catch it. I'm not sure about a glimpse. I'm talking about a line. When Kimberly is being apprehended in the toilets by her friend Amanda, she she has a line and it's something like, well, you shouldn't have Sentai those pictures because Ty is Kimberly's ex-boyfriend, I think. Um, oh yeah oh yeah i remember that line now i mean there's a chance it's a coincidence but i don't know that seems a bit too strong yeah it's a very sly bit of wordplay but Mm -hmm. i I like that obviously as i say there was there was finster squat and baboo in billy's lab zordon's three rules are intact in this film yep word for word absolutely and i thought okay that's fine that's good yep I mean, one of the things that comes to my mind is they, they, they clearly play the theme song as the Zords are running through uh, the city, but that's not so much of an Easter egg. That's just like a big nod. They don't actually play the original theme song. They play the theme song from the 1995 movie. Was it the 95 movie? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't remember that part. I, I just remember that being, oh, okay, there's the theme song. 
Yeah, um, it was the version from the '95 movie, but I don't know if there was. They, I think they just didn't want to pay Ron Wasserman, who wrote the theme in the first place. <laughs> I suspect that's entirely what it was. Well, they got to save money somehow. I mean, those special effects of those generic butties and a generic Goldar—they're not cheap. Well, yeah, yeah. We've also got references in the street names to Mariner Bay and Reefside. And, of course, you'll know this, Grax. Uh, Mariner Bay was the setting for Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue. And, uh, of course, yes. Yeah, and Reefside was the setting for Power Rangers Dino Thunder. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes, of course I would know such a thing, because <laughs> that is my gimmick. And we also, obviously, see Kimberly and Tommy. Yeah, they make a cameo at the very, very end, where um, uh, the bad guys have all been de- defeated, the Megazords are there, and they say, I can't remember the exact line, but something. I think nobody saw us, and then everybody saw them, and they are taking out their f- smartphones to take yeah. selfies. Uh, not selfies, uh, I mean, uh, it, pictures a, and whatever. It's a weirdly mute moment, the fact you've just got Kimberly and Tommy standing there, just with their phones, smiling. I felt like they could have done a bit more, or been a bit more smart about it, but... It was just kind of slapped in your face. You go, oh, I like cameos. Oh, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, that's all they could have afforded. They couldn't afford anything more than paying, um, uh, I forget the, the actors' names. Amy Jo Johnson and Jason David Frank. Thank you. Uh, I guess they just couldn't pay them enough money to spend any more than 20 seconds on stage. Uh, Possibly on not, no. And I think there were more Easter eggs, but by all means, tweet us at RangerPod or email us at rangerpod at gmail.com. Please do. If you've got any more easter eggs that you noticed we did have we did have a few people telling us their thoughts or just general oh yeah bits pjh says what happened to that jason and kimberly kiss we saw in the teaser trailer there was heavily hinted that there was a bit of a romance between jason and kimberly they, they looked at each other but yeah i there was no kissing in the movie no kissing no which you know i i think that's okay i think rushing a romance it as the team's just getting together i am personally a big fan of pacing these things of romance uh, i think that they, they should take their time and make it develop rather than being forced and that's just a general movie thing rather than specifically power rangers it's a general life thing let's face it let's not don't rush things guys just don't rush things <laughs> uh quinn says there isn't a podcast in the world long enough to address my thoughts well we're giving it a go quinn um <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> The bottle episode says, with the revelation that the Zeo crystals are under Krispy Kreme, does this mean the Thunderzords are under a Starbucks? I wouldn't be surpri- at all surprised if that happens in the sequel. Yeah, absolutely, especially if Starbucks are willing to pro- promote the movie heavily and pay them a shit ton of cash. Yep, because what I will say is, I, I don't know if you know this, but the Zeo crystal in the TV series is something quite different. It, well, it's the crystal that gives them their first big costume change. The first series that wasn't Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was called Power Rangers Zeo. Oh, yes, of course. Of course, yeah. That, that's and, the, the next one, isn't it? Where they all become ninjas. Uh, no, it's after that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Jen says, My thoughts on the movie? It was really good. Cast was great and so was the action. It's worth the wait for 24 years. I don't know quite about that. I mean, it was very good, but it was not the film that I would have liked. Oh, oh no, that's very interesting. Because I personally think that this film is very good. It's it's well written. Yep. The actors yep. are fantastic. They ate up everything. They wanted to be there. Yeah, it, it basically breathed new life into the franchise, which was definitely, definitely needed. And it just gave it a, an update. A HD coat, some might say. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But it wasn't the film that I was hoping for. What were you hoping for? 
I was hoping for a Power Rangers film. I was hoping for a film where they suited up before the hour and a half mark. I mean, look, as I say, I really enjoyed what we got in its place. I was able to kind of put my hopes to one side and enjoy what we had. But it's not what... I mean, we'll we'll rate it in a, in a short while. Because Uncle Eric says 4.86 out of 5 power coins. Well, you can't have part power coins. Although I pointed this out to him and he says, well, did you see the state of the ones in the film after being chiselled? Some of them didn't look complete. Well, he does have an interesting point there. Uh, Stephen says, I enjoyed it. Things I liked, things I didn't like, better than expected. I feel like a lot of people had quite low expectations for this film. I agree. I, I did kind of have low expectations. I'll tell you one thing. Looking at some of the trailers, I was so afraid that this was going to be a Michael Bay Transformers kind of film. Yeah. Where there was so much incomprehensible action with giant computer graphics, really, really crude jokes, unfunny lines, and just generally mindless. And it was none of those things. It was no. well written. It was very, it was very competent and enjoyable, and everything made sense. And I think there was a slight hint, a stab against Michael Bay once uh, the Red Ranger crushed the the Bumblebee car. Oh, it's absolutely yeah. He says sorry, Bumblebee, or something like that. It's yeah. That was yeah. a clear stab, saying, "Look, we're not Michael Bay." Mike, rounding this off, says, who would win in a scrap, the new set or the original Rangers? The new guys new would guys. pummel them. <laughs> Absolutely the exact destroy them. <laughs> <laughs> because, I don't know, they've had some training and they're actually quite competent fighters. I mean, German suplex, man! They've had training, their suits are better, and some of them are kind of dicks. So they'll just be like, what? Oh, good, you're in the big sister school programme. Yeah, well, f- we're in detention <laughs> yeah they're, they're, they're gritty they're grittified they're real yo can we talk about their briefly about their the reasons they're in detention yes i mean billy i was happy with that's typically billy billy blew up his locker it's not that much of a stretch that the original billy could have accidentally blown up his locker and with the principal being a real hard ass he's just say, yo detention for you it's a shame that the teacher wasn't like called mr kaplan or anything just as a an you know, similarly, the guy who ran the Krispy Kremes could have been called Ernie. Should have been. They had so many opportunities. Maybe yeah. they didn't want to get too bogged down with the past. No, no, but I mean, the bully was no Bulk or Skull. I really missed Bulk and Skull. Yeah. What was this yeah. generic bully with his, with his hair locker? And it's like, you've got nothing. You've got I mean, absolutely the... nothing. You're not having fun. You've got no charisma. No. I mean, the film wasn't lacking in humour, but. I felt like you could have used Bulk and Skull quite well in it. And, yeah, it was, I missed them. But then again, it's not, it's not the Bulk and Skull show as much as we want it to be. It's the Power Rangers <laughs> show. It's about the Power Rangers. Jason's reason for being in detention. He was involved in that bull prank where one of his mates wanked off a bull. I have a question about that. What was the prank? I don't understand. Well, that... the prank was that they let the bull in. Uh, and that's it. it. It would just go a bit crazy in the school. That's it. Yeah, it was a rival school's locker room, I think. Well, the idea was that they were leaving the bull in the locker room for them to find. And yeah, I think it did justify him being in detention. But I didn't find the masturbation joke as awful and offensive as a lot of people. But it was out of place in a Power Rangers film. That was my first warning sign thinking, oh, this is a Michael Bay kind of movie because that's the kind of crude humor he michael bay would do 
but that was just one off. I don't really understand why they did it. I, I genuinely don't know why they did it. They didn't need to be there at all. They didn't need to make a masturbation joke. It's so out of place with anything else in the film. And the worst thing is that it's ruined that excellent prologue. Because a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, you know, the film opens with them wanking off a bull. And it's like, it doesn't. It No, it doesn't. It opens with the Brian Cranston scene, but because... Mm-hmm. The lingering shot on a bull's penis is so haunting and memorable. Uh, that's all people are going away thinking of, and that's quite sad, really. They're completely and utterly missing the point. So please, listen to us. Listen to PDT. Listen to me. It's not about the bull wanking. Don't think about that. <laughs> it, it, it's completely out of context. Get that out of your mind. And That should be the tagline. Power Rangers is not about the bull wanking. <laughs> and Kimberly, yeah, sending revenge porn. I mean, yeah, I get it, but it was unnecessary. That's all I'll say about that. So you think Kimberly's revenge porn storyline was was completely out of place and unnecessary? I mean, that's yeah, that's kind of the reality that we live in nowadays. I mean, in in, in the year two thousand. Uh, I guess. This, this is I, what it, happens. This is this is what people can relate to now. Yeah, it just felt out of place in a film that, you know, the toys are marketed at kids. Parents are going to be taking their kids to see it, whether they've been warned or not. I think what they should have done was just try and lose the 12A rating and just tweak it a little bit, and it would have been just as good as a movie, and it would have reached a wider audience. Yeah, it's not a kid's film. I mean, the fact that they don't, get any action until an hour and a half in means it's not a kid's film yes very good point because i mean maybe i'm doing kids a disservice but i feel like the kind of kids who are buying the toys and playing the power rangers they're not going to want to sit through an hour and a half of the breakfast club before we get to that point so it's more like uh it's more aimed at teenagers or more specifically people with nostalgia feels I guess so, you know, as I say, I love the cast, I, I quite like a lot of what they did with the whole sort of breakfast clubby stuff, mm. but there's no denying that it's imbalanced, you know, it should not have taken them that long to get to that point. Yeah. I feel like it would have been quite good if they'd have suited up, sort of had an initial battle, you know, sort of 45 minutes in, with Rita and the Potties. Just got absolutely trashed. Zordon had to kind of emergency get... You know, there was no teleporting in this film. Mm-hmm. Which bugged me. But, you know, Zordon would have had to get them out of their emergency and then be like, right, you need to be able to work as a team. And then you could have everything else play exactly the same until the, you know, hour and a half mark. But just with that added kind of thing of already having seen the Rangers in action. To a point, I agree with what you say, but... The, the the problem with that is that it's the morphing into the Power Rangers, which is the 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 pivot point, the the money shot, so to speak. Maybe Zordon takes away their powers. No, because by that point, everybody's morphed into the Rangers too soon, and it, the, the peak is not longer there in terms of storytelling. Yeah. Because the, the the idea is that they they can't morph, so they go through all this training. They're trying so hard, they struggle, but they cannot. And then just by chance, Billy morphs into uh into with a power armor, and they have a glimpse, a glimpse, and, and it's a glimpse of what's to come. And mm. so they keep trying harder and harder and harder, and it's storytelling to the point of 
escalation to the peak. So I understand why they did it that way. But they probably could have cut out a lot of things to get to that yeah. peak sooner. So, I mean, did you have anything else you wanted to say before we we rate this monster? I like the story. I liked the characters. I liked everything. But the thing that really bugs me, and it's a thing that bugs me about most movies, is the camera. The camera okay, is shaking yeah. everywhere, left, right, and center. <laughs> Especially the first half of the movie. You're standing still. You're seeing these characters. But the camera is still shaking left, right, and center. And the thing this bothers me, is this really bothers me so much, because that's not how human eyes work. When you're looking at something and you're moving around, <laughs> you're not shaking around. Just buy, a, just buy a tripod. Buy a tripod, stick it there, and just film them. I can't understand this obsession of trying to make things more gritty and action-packed by having the camera shaky on static shots. It really <laughs> bothers me. And it, frankly, this camera work drops a whole coin for me for the entire movie. Yep. It genuinely bothers me that so much. It, I was looking for this entire film going, I'm really enjoying this movie. I'm enjoying the story and everything. If they just fixed the camera, I would enjoy it even more. Yeah, I don't. it didn't bother me. I have to say, but I can see your point. It is a pet peeve of mine, and it just generally makes me frustrated whenever the camera shakes around for no reason. Also, also, I didn't feel like they captured the scale of things so well, because the camera was so close to everything. It was so close to the characters. It was so close to the action. Mm. They just needed to pull it back a little bit, like maybe... Uh, a, f- a couple of feet, a few feet, just so you can get a good mid shots of everybody, so you can see what's going around. And it would have served it so well in the cave scene where they're trying to go and navigate through the caves to get to the command yeah. center. Just these little things would have made the thing so much better. And add more color. Add more color. It's like the Zack Snyder problem where everything is washed out and dull. Uh, except for the point where they get all the Power Rangers suits and everything, but just a bit more colour. Just a bit more okay, colour, guys. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Okay, so shall we finally rate this bad boy? Let's finally rate this bad boy. Well, I mean, I've I've kind of already given my rating, you know, for Den of Geek. I'm staying at four, four Power Coins out of five. Yeah. Again, it's a, a three Power Coin script with a five Power Coin cast. I am going to give this a little bit less. I'm going to give this three out of five power coins. The story is very good and solid and competent. It's enjoyable. The cast are very, very likable. But there are a couple of problems in terms of camera work and and, and the way it's filmed for personally, which drops it. And the ending was a little bit rushed and flat. And I felt like they could have fleshed it out significantly more. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's a it is a good, enjoyable movie. I think if you were to watch this, you would have a good time. Maybe more so if you're a fan of the franchise than if you're not. So with that, I would say it's kind of a rental. You don't necessarily have to see it at the cinema, but you'll definitely have a good time if you watch it at home. Yeah, no, I I think that's a fair point. And obviously, now we just have to wait and see whether there's going to be a sequel or not. As we speak. It's projected to be just over $40 million at the US box office opening weekend. Mm-hmm. $18.7 million in the international box office, which I get the impression is a bit disappointing. I think the, the US box office, it's overperformed. Yeah. But I think internationally, it's not done quite as well. The budget of the film's $100 million. So hopefully... Oh, no, that, that oof, really, that's... 
and that's just only over how many days? So it's like this a week. is only opening. This is only opening weekend. Oh, okay. So obviously it will ha- it will have its run. It will also have a home movie release, mm-hmm. which presumably will do quite well. Yeah, especially if they market this very the well. Because it's the kind of film that that does. Yeah, and if you if you um, buy a box of Krispy Kreme donuts, you might get a a free DVD or something, you know. Well, exactly. <laughs> um, so you know, hopefully, I mean, obviously, we know what direction they're going in mm-hmm. because of the post-credit scene. Blatantly said, "Yep, this is the next storyline." It's like Tommy Oliver, Tommy Oliver, Tommy Oliver. Which <laughs> did which... you get it? It's Tommy. Did you? <laughs> hmm? It's a green jumper. Did you get the hint? To be fair, stupid not to do the Green Ranger story. So you know, we'll see. So I think that about wraps it up for this oversized episode of ranger pod i've been pdt and i've been grax we'll see you next time when we'll be going back to some old school rangery fun see you next time